and we are back. It is running up the downstairs with your host, that's me, Josh Finkelman, uh, and in true downstairs fashion, uh, we decided to take half a year off, um, not because we were super busy, and uh, not because this podcast just exploded in popularity and everyone uh, wanted a piece of, of yours truly, but more just because... Uh, I wanted to apparently prove that I had difficulty doing things for the purposes of this podcast so we can continue learning how other people do things. Um, The summer happened, and then the winter happened, um, but we recorded this episode number five, believe it or not, um, towards the end of the summer with my very good friend Rachel Wagner, who I have known uh, since grade school. We talk a lot about that. Um, She's a producer of food-related television programs, uh, and uh, she's had a very, she has a great story, and we had a really great conversation, um, and uh, I think you're going to like it, I think you're going to learn some things, um, and uh, I'm glad that I can finally bring it to you, we've got two recorded, there's going to be Rachel, we've got another one coming up uh, shortly, and we're going to be recording new ones uh, imminently as well, so if uh, you're someone who's listening to this podcast because I've mentioned it to you um, as something that I want to want you to be a part of, it, it happens, it's true, it's not just me talking about things. Um, okay, with no further ado, um, the long-awaited, eagerly anticipated, um, long-ago recorded episode number five, me and Rachel Wagner. That's fine. It'll be so natural. It'll just <laughs> fade right into me being me. Okay. Hey, guys. This I'm, is... I'm used to being quiet during the room tone. <laughs> right. Well, you're you're a professional, and uh, this is Fly By the Seat of Your Pants podcasting. Um, Rachel Wagner, um, you are... <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is one of my uh, oldest people um, that oh, I know. That I know she's, she's, she's a senior. So old. So Rachel's a senior citizen. Um, <laughs> no, Rachel and I went to public school, high school, um, just the school of life, you know? Um, so I've known Rachel probably since we were like very young. Um, and then we didn't know each other. And probably, then probably grade five. Is grade five when you started? Grade five is when I started at York Hill. Okay, so yeah, so that because I started there at grade three, and so grade five, and then straight through to into well into university, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then life takes over, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we were brought back together because we both live in the city of Toronto, and like coffee, and that's where we found each other again. Um, and Rachel is a food producer, and that doesn't sound right. Let's let me let me retitle you. She is a producer of food shows. That sounds more yeah. accurate because you're not a farmer and that would be <laughs> that would be a weird thing for us to be talking about. Um, although I should get a farmer on here cuz like that they, would be a cool job. They do shit and uh, this is a podcast about people who do shit because I don't. So um, <laughs> so basically um, yeah, what's your official job title? Let's start. Let's start there. What's your business card say? Uh I don't have a business card. Okay, anymore. that's it. I this mean, podcast I, is over, and we're I at. guess. Um, <laughs> I guess my, I, you know, in television, you sort of can take different different roles on different shows, and there are different titles on different shows. But 
but generally um, my job titles tend to be story producer um, and story editor and they're both uh, at different ends of the like one is sort of pre-production production and the other is a job in post-production but all have to do with um, with the story part the, the creative side of making TV shows and I like food so a lot of them are food TV shows see that's the best way like you took two things you liked and you put them <laughs> together that's see I'm learning things it's true already. I don't know how that happened it, it feels more like it happened to me than I made it happen but I do really like stories and I do really like food and see that's that, that's that's what I need to do is I need to sit down and you go, these are the things I like. How can I mash them all together? You know? Um, but did you, you didn't start off as a producer. You started off doing all sorts of other things. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's cycle all the way back. We'll oh, reel it all in. So we know that we went so to elementary. Ago, we're so old. I know we're, we are senior <laughs> citizens. Um, oh man. Do you ever think about that? Do you, do you sometimes how, just, how old? I don't, let's, we're not going to talk about how old no. we are. We're in our <laughs> early twenties. Um, so, <laughs> of course we are. Who isn't in their early 20s? Who can tell? Days? It's just our voices. Nobody yeah, knows. Exactly. We're millennials. Um, so, we'll, we'll, we won't cycle <laughs> all the way. Let's not talk about millennials. <laughs> we won't cycle all the way back. But, um, okay, so, what did you want to be when you grew up? Let's let's start oh, from there, right? I was, I was one of those uh, kids who, like, could not see the future. I was, like, if I think about it now, I was um, distinctly un-goal-oriented. My goal as a... I guess teenager when you were making those decisions is really just to get the heck out of where we grew up together. That would be Thornhill for everyone <laughs> listening. Um, those of you who are unfamiliar with Thornhill, it is a um, small suburb just north of the city where I'm sure you were the same as I was back in the day where if anyone asked you where you were from, you would say, oh, I'm from Toronto. But now if someone says to me that I'm from Toronto and they're from Thornhill, I will laugh them out of the room that we're in and never speak to them again. Anyhow, so. So yeah, so I was mostly just interested in getting out of Thornhill. Um, no, I mean, we, as as you recall, we, we went to, you know, the extracurricular drama activities together. and uh... It's so funny that you just brought that up because I'm literally sitting here. So Rachel and I sat at her table for probably about an hour before we actually recorded this, um, having a wonderful conversation that um, you'll never hear. But um, we were reminiscing and stuff. And literally, as we were sitting here, just before you said, I was like, oh my God, we took young people's yeah, theater drama classes together. Um, so In high you, school. Yeah. Like for, do you remember? Because someone was I asking. I have very clear memories. Okay. What, when was that from? That was, uh, I think it was grade 12. It was grade 12 to like. I think it was great. It was, it was only a year. Maybe it was two years. Was it only two years? I think it was only a year or two. Were it you, felt like a very long time at the time where it was that age. Were then. you in the class when, um, when Judy passed? Yeah. Were you, okay. Uh, was that, oh. so she didn't pass in the class. I just want no, to be No, I know, I know. I I don't remember. That was, I remember she died. So that was, it was just funny. So to give you a little bit of context, um, Rachel and I took uh, theater classes at Young People's Theater. We Did you do them at uh, the JCC also? I can't. No. Okay, so we took them there with another friend of ours, and uh, and they were these scene study classes, and it's, to this day, I still think I learned more about writing in those two two years or so of right. classes than I probably did in my entire, like, uh, post-secondary <laughs> writing education. Um, but what do you remember from those classes? Do you, I... You know what I actually remember from those classes? I remember doing um, the stretching exercise, which I still do in yoga classes to this day, where your arm is a clock and you are laying on your back and your legs are kind of yes. off to one side, so your body's like twisted and then like you're op- you're basically opening up your rib cage, like breathing into your rib cage. So I have 
very, for whatever reason, super strong memories of that exercise. So do I, for and, some reason. And um, of taking the subway all together. Yes. I, and of, like, walking um, down Front Street and that Raba. Yes, we, it's still there. You know it's still, still there, there, if I'm know. not mistaken. Yeah. I had a job not far from there a few years ago. And, uh, so, and, and of the building. But the actual content of the class, I, I sort of vaguely remember the teacher... Um, I remember getting scenes and performing scenes, but like not really the details of it. Also, like I then did a, a drama program, so I think it all, you know, at university, blurred. so it all kind of blurred. But mostly, I remember like the subway rides and the robot. <laughs> I remember, I remember Joey and I used to, uh, who's another friend of ours who was in the class. I remember we used to use that as an excuse to then walk up Young Street and buy cigarettes from the <laughs> from the those like kind of janky stores that used to always be there and stuff. And I still, my, but my most, you know what the funny thing is, is my most distinct memory from that time is none of the class and all the stuff. Although yeah, I still have the all the plays. Class. You know what I mean? Like yes. we had, remember we had yeah, a five yeah, plays. The... So I still have all that stuff. But yeah. my most distinct memory is getting food poisoning in the middle of a class, throwing up in the bathroom, Ooh. trying to not like let on how sick I was. And then I don't know if you were in that class, but I, I remember, remember getting like horribly sick in the middle of one of those classes, going to the bathroom, like just throwing everything I'd ever eaten up and then coming back to the class, holding, you know, holding my shit together. And then for some reason literally. thought it would literally, and then <laughs> thought it would be a good idea to like try and make it to the subway back home. Right. And getting to St. Lawrence market, which was potentially oh five minutes away. Yeah. Um, no and then having to go back to the bathroom. And my most distinct <laughs> memory is Joey bringing me an orange juice oh God. because I needed like, you know, yeah. and, and then afterwards my mom being like, that probably was the worst thing worst that you could have drinking. <laughs> and of course I, I think that's the, one of the only times I puked out the side of a car, like not from, uh, anyways, wow. the point being is that Good for some story. reason, yeah, I don't know why that's my most distinct memory, but it, it really scarred me. Anyhow. So, um, so, so drama. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you went I, on what did to... I want to be when I grew up? So I uh, I don't think I really, I definitely didn't know, uh, but based on like, you know, the things that we enjoyed doing in sure. high school, I wanted to do this drama program. And I, I think um, at the time I thought I wanted to do theater. I don't think I knew like what in theater I really wanted to do. Um, and and so I, so I kind of did a... a theater program without really committing to going to theater school by, by but going. then you did go to theater school like you ended up at U of T We're... I did but it's that program at U of T is it's like a lovely lovely program but for the most part it's for you know it's kids who uh, aren't gonna like go to a theater program at a college who are like fully committing to like performance they want a degree they want an you know right. they want their honors bachelor they're doing a minor in women's studies and a you know another one in um, whatever right some humanity like a lot of people and actually you know a lot of people like went on to law school or you know it was a yeah. it wasn't the most dedicated it was, it was the most was. dedicated like, group. We, were, we were like it was definitely like definitely my other friends you know refused to go to the drama kids parties because they were all to- we were all <laughs> completely obnoxious but so it was it was a theater program but it um, wasn't one that like you don't look you're not going to movies and seeing people that you're like oh that was you were in my class um no, no, no. For the most part, no. Most people didn't really um, like. I think some people went on and did something rather in theater. A few, very few, kind of really tried to do acting after that. But for the most part, no. It was, it was a different kind of a, a crowd. And um, yeah, so I, 
I did that, and I guess after that, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Which is not an uncommon thing. I think, no. especially coming out of like a, a drama class. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like, I guess I'm gonna act, but uh, act I don't as really. What? Yeah, exactly. Like act like a grown up. <laughs> act like I know what I want to do with my life. <laughs> I mean, that is. I feel like that's like that's everyone that comes out of school to some degree. Not to say that. Um, you know, theater probably is uh, a little bit higher in that percentage. Like, there's not such an obvious... You can't go to, you know, like... Uh, I guess, I mean, you know, I guess there are, like, theater schools that are, like, yeah. post Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, there were people who finished that program and auditioned for National Theater School. Right. And, you know, were very serious about, like, life in theater. But you have theater. to be very serious. Yeah, you, you do know? have to be very yeah. serious. So then you're, you know, adrift now. And, I was slightly uh, adrift. I, uh... I decided that I was going to, like, basically, I think I spent a couple of years, like, pretending that I wanted to act, even sure. though I was, like, really very the least committed um, wannabe actor that ever existed. <laughs> Do you remember a reason behind, like... Uh, wanting to. Or not even not wanting, like, sometimes I think, like, I'm a writer, right? And yeah. then I sit down and I write, and then, you yeah. know, you have, it, there's all sorts of, like, you know, uh, like self-esteem and like anxiety issues or whatever that I'm sure all writers have but you look at what I was doing this the other night I was looking at what I wrote and I'm like oh all right, maybe I shouldn't be a writer <laughs> you know like that kind of thing even though ostensibly I know that yeah. there's no no real correlation between like that immediate moment of you wrote something and then you reread it that val there's no value to that judgment right. right but do you think that sometimes you were like um, oh God, I've done all this stuff and now I have to show something for it. Absolutely. And then... Absolutely. I think that was a huge part of it. And I remember having, um, this conversation with my aunt who is a psychologist and, you know, I, I was probably like 24 at the time. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't think this is for me. Like, I don't <laughs> think, like, I don't like this. I don't like the process of auditioning for things. Like I don't, um, I, you know, it all feels like quite shallow. I don't like all the um, attention that has to be paid to my appearance. Like I, I'm not into this, but I've, you know, studied this for four years. And if I like decide to like do something different, it's like, I'm a failure at this. And she's like, no, it's like, you've decided to do something different <laughs> for whatever reason. And, you know, she, she kind of, uh, like told me this, like, I or guess, not a story exactly, but like it was like an analogy about you know when she finished her doctorate or whatever, and you know it was something about like uh, you know people who went into private practice were like the sellouts or whatever, um, or or something like that, and that basically it was like every industry has its little in club or rules or this is what a success is and this is what a failure is, and if you don't choose this path, then you, mm -hmm. it's not the real deal or whatever. And she was just like. That's you're you're in this little tiny bubble of people who you studied with, and everyone will go on to do different things, and you just need to think about what you really want to do. And if you hate, if you kind of hate that life, then forget about it. Do mm -hmm. something else. So yeah, um, I eventually found something else. <laughs> well. And on the next podcast, we'll find out what that... No, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, it's like really flattering on. We're just doing these 12-minute um, hits, and then we'll come back and be... No, no, what was the... Uh, what was the... What was the something So the something else took a couple years to kind of emerge. Like, I... In, in the meantime, I also, like, moved to Tel Aviv because I had grown up here, or in Thornhill. <laughs> I had... Um, not in Toronto. Yeah, not in Toronto. I had, you know... So I had, you know, studied here... I hadn't ever left in the way that I had wanted to leave. And so I decided I was out of here 
and uh, I went to Tel Aviv for the winter and I just kind of liked it and so I stayed and I was teaching English as a second language uh, which was uh, something that I had intended to do when I moved there like that was kind of my back pocket plan I was like I don't want to work at a cafe I don't want to just do like some some um, you know actress side job like I want to engage in work that I feel is um, yeah interesting to me so I had uh, taken like a little course to learn how to teach ESL and so that's what I was doing there and I was like getting bored I guess yeah. and then just totally serendipitous like a friend of a friend was the editor of like a relatively new English language uh, version of Time Out which Time is out kind of is... like Toronto Life gotcha. it's, a, it's you know Time Out London Time Out New York it's sure. yeah sort of similar and so they were um, a few years before I think they had like launched an English language version and she's like do you write or I think maybe he asked me if I wrote and sure. I was like yeah yeah I've always been really good at writing like had I ever written a lifestyle piece for a magazine no not really had I studied journalism no um, but I it just felt like something that felt right sure. and so I was like yeah I'm, I can I'm gonna try this because writing was something that I had never thought of doing but uh, it was something I was just always good at and so I wrote her this piece and she's like this is great now I'm sure the competition <laughs> amongst English language writers and delivery wasn't exactly um, you know too stiff but yeah it was it was great and it was about some you know cool bar restaurant that had just opened and that's what the type of stuff they wanted and so um, I started like on the side I started writing all kinds of general lifestyle like boutiques on, in this neighborhood and restaurant reviews and you know openings and that kind of content and I really liked it and as soon as I kind of found that that was like the exactly the time I was probably like 25 or something and I was like ah I can let go of this acting thing because I had kind of kept pursuing it like I had an agent in Tel Aviv and I was like auditioning for commercials and it just I never I just it was like it was always this chore right and um it wasn't engaging it, yeah like it, it just it always felt like this chore it never felt like it was a thing that I was like dying to do and it's such a difficult thing to do sure. and such a difficult thing to be successful at that it was like why bother if it, you're not like obsessed with it as soon as I started writing um, you know these lifestyle pieces I was like oh this is great this is what I now I, I have found the thing so when you look okay so two questions one before did you were you writing like you say you didn't write but were you writing like short stories like was writing something that you did recreationally or yeah like not fiction I'd never really written fiction oh maybe that's not true I think probably around that age I I started um, I started this literally handwritten like not idea for a novel that I right. had but it was really it was super autobiographical <laughs> um, like you know but, but you know diaries sure. and uh, you know in high school that was something I was always praised for and but no, like I, I wouldn't say that I was like writing fiction or poetry or anything in a serious way. Um, it was just like a, a sort of a skill that I, I had. Do you remember? Okay, so you and then the second the, the second question is so you were like okay that's the mo like that's the thing right? It did. It felt like a moment. Was there a? Do you remember a specific like 
yes, that whole period sort of solidified that. But do you yeah. remember a specific? Because it's weird. I remember, I have this memory of when I was in school for journalism. Because like I always felt like my my biggest thing was that like I really would have been a great journalist in nineteen the nineteen fifties <laughs> in the not even the drinking and the smoking and all that sort of stuff, but just in the idea of like a newsroom and Womanizing, like you know. sure. Well, I'm, look, I'm not very good at that. Now. I'm sure in the fifties I would have been better. But like I always think like Superman. For some reason, my like ideal newsroom is always like the. I mean, I'm a comic Clark nerd, Kent. so yes, Clark Kent. Kent. <laughs> yeah, the Clark Kent, like the Perry White, like the angry you know editor comes out of the thing and is like, Kent, I need a story on this or whatever, and then he scurries out and goes writes the story. And when I was in school, we did like a uh, like a little local newspaper, and that was part of the the thing. And that was always my. Um, the most enjoyment I got out of school was the idea of, oh crap, deadline's tomorrow, we need a story on this, go get it. And I have this memory of walking home and talking to my mom on the phone and being like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And then I graduated and I realized that that thing that I wanted to do didn't really exist anymore. Like it did, but you had to get there already. And so all of a sudden there was this big freelance thing, right? Yeah. And it sounds to me like you got in at the freelance thing and you liked the freelance thing. I liked thing. the freelance thing. I did like the freelance thing. I... I liked this idea of like working on my own time, of um, of sitting in cafes and, and working. I mean, Tel Aviv has this you know huge cafe culture, so everyone is just sitting around with a laptop in a cafe on like a random Wednesday, packed. You Sounds know, like my people. scene. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's great, and um, so I really liked the freelance thing. Um, obviously, that was not enough to sustain me financially. Sorry, squeaky chair. Um, I was noticing and, earlier on mine, but yeah, uh, you know. So I think I liked that, but what it did allow me to do was go, okay, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also like living in a place where just the English language skills alone were were was kind of like putting me in a very specific box for like, oh, I have like um, saleable skills here. Right. And it was it all was kind of happening simultaneously. I also had been there for a couple of years at that point. Um, in addition to like the writing, there were editing projects to take on. There were translation projects to take on. So that was also something I started doing. So like it was helping round out the work because. Are you fluent? I am now. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't like when I moved there. I barely could speak at all. And after two years, I was able to you know converse fluently. I started to take on translation projects, even though my Hebrew was terrible. <laughs> and I would be sitting, you know, and oh my God, if Google Translate had been what it is today, which it was definitely not that long ago. <laughs> Obviously, like I was using translation tools to help, but it definitely, um, my fluency increased and my sure. comprehension increased. I was able to read, so read fluently. And so I was taking on translation projects and editing projects and then, um, yeah, I, I I always had another gig. Like there was like I don't know what the side hustle was, but right. there was always something else that wasn't like food related in right. the writing thing that helped me financially sustain myself. Like I had a very strange job for a number of years, uh, getting people into MBA programs, like writing application writing. essays, not writing, but coaching (laughs) editing did you ever write like grant proposals and stuff someone was telling me no no i never got into that that it's a that's a very technical right um thing which i never would have had patience for i remember once interviewing for like a technical writing job going okay writing yeah anything writing and job um copywriting technical writing when it's all the same and it's like definitely not all the same and technical writing specifically it's like very 
dry. Yeah. Um, very, very dry. And I don't think I could, I would have been fired probably, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but the job that I did do also, which was freelance, what was actually like speaking of story and this like food and story and those two things, like I was saying to, um, someone in television the other day that that job years ago, which I had before I ever got into television, probably prepared me more for television than all of the like journalism you right. know, lifestyle pieces that I wrote because what I was doing essentially was listening to someone, asking somebody many questions and mm-hmm. listening to them tell me a story of something they had done right. and then distilling that story into a really cohesive narrative that pays uh, them in a, the best possible light to then give to an application, like give to a, you know, what do you call them? The, the board. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Like the Apple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To, to read and decide if they should get into this program. It's so interesting <laughs> that you, well, but it's so interesting that you, that you see that as like a vital sort of piece. I, I didn't at the time, but in retrospect, I realized it. Well, it's funny because one of the things that I always think is it's um like, you don't, you never know in the moment. Right, it's right. always like in retrospect that you see totally. it, but it's never the things that you think yeah. are going to, yes. you know. And totally. so, I guess like, were you always? Because I'm trying to, I was trying to, I'm trying to remember, and I don't. I mean, I guess work ethic and work habits were not something that I was all too aware of in high school. So right. I don't know the answers. Were you always like a self starter? Were you always someone who was like very organized and all that sort of stuff? Um. Oh, that's a difficult one. I'll I, tell I'm you not that. terribly organized. I actually, that's not true. I am very organized when it comes to my work now. I think. Mm. Just move <laughs> the chair so I can lean and not not fidget. So I'm like the most fidgety person, and I'm sitting on the squeakiest chair. Um, just well, in the, case the chairs are <laughs> very very old. The chairs um, they're the chairs delightful. Are from my grandparents' house and quite comfortable to be perfectly honest. It's, I'm it's just amazing, I can't right, sit for, still. For like probably 40, 50 year old chairs. Oh my God, they're perfect. I know, I don't think they've ever been reupholstered. Um. I mean, you guys can't see them, but they have um, a complete, uh, like it's like a carved depiction of um, the Exodus from Egypt, um, the Passover story. And it's like, and it's all done in like really finely wrought metal. It's like and what you're imagining right there. I can't. Chairs look like, but they don't look anything like that. No, no, they're very nice, but they're, um, I can't sit still. And as um, we learned at the very beginning of this, I also can't sit quietly. Um, and so <laughs> I just. Definitely made for radio. Um, oh, I was designed. So, yeah. So, so to answer that question, um, the whole retrospect thing. Yeah. Oh, the reason I was asking yeah. is because one of the things that I have discovered about myself and one of the things about this podcast is sort of trying to, you know, figure out how people succeed at the things that they're doing. Freelance for me, the biggest problem with freelance is always like, I'm not the most self-motivated person. Right. And with... that is the problem with freelance. And so exactly. I think at the time, like in the time that I worked freelance um, with all of these different clients, different projects on the go, I think I was motivated because I wanted that to be my, my main source of income. And I liked, say, the MBA gig mm-hmm. less, and I, even though it paid sure. so much more. And I you know, wanted just to be doing more and more and more of the food stuff because that was really my passion. And so I was motivated to get as much of it as I could. Um, and I think, to answer your question about was I always, like, say, super mm-hmm. organizer or a self-starter, when it came to something that I really wanted to do, I was like, I I think of myself as oh I'm a bit laid back or lazy and I'm not that goal oriented. But when I want something, I'm 
quite driven. And uh, like even in high school, I remember, you know, in the years that we would have been doing those classes, yeah. I think I was 16 or 17 and I uh, took the phone book, like the, the phone book, oh, the phone down book. to my bedroom in the basement and I sat in that chair. I'm pointing to a, a brown, massive... Is that chair uh, from your childhood? That is a, that whole set, the sofa and the chair, were my parents' living room furniture that they bought in like 1975. And when I was in high school, I had that chair in my room in the basement. And I sat in that chair. I really need to get those cushions reupholstered anyway. By the way, I, I remember s- that room. I s- now that I yeah, yeah, I yeah, sat yeah. in that chair in my room in the basement and I phoned every... Um, theater production company starting with A and going down to ask if they were taking on any summer interns and I got myself a job uh, a paid job like minimum wage or whatever at some theater production company at uh, you know King Inn University and I went down on the subway every day that entire summer and I think about that now and I'm just like oh my god where did I get the drive to like come up with this even youth I know, right? The, the, the so I guess I was driven when I was passionate about something. It's yeah, it's I mean it's it's such an interesting idea that because it's funny now that we're like old, you know what I mean, <laughs> and you have a kid and stuff, and like and it's funny because I look at my friends who have kids and I think like there isn't there is a aspect of organization involved in just you know I guess producing life and like you know <laughs> making sure it stays alive and stuff that is inherent in. In parenthood, but it also was inherent in like adult jobs and living an adult life and all this sort of stuff. And so it's funny because yeah, what I, is an adult life? Well, okay, we can <laughs> we, we can to. we can debate that another time. But I just mean in terms of like I guess even just to define adult life is like right. paying your bills and you know not yep. living on the street. You yep. know, like doing what is necessary for your particular circumstances. In your case, you know, you know uh, a marriage and a, a child and you know a home and all this sort of stuff. And in my case, like you know a cat that I don't throw off the balcony. <laughs> Like, I do. He's I a jerk. I do. He's a he's a jerk, and uh, he I haven't thrown him off the balcony much the same way that I have never pushed anyone down a flight of escalator stairs, um, even if I wanted to. Um, I know. I feel like I feel like it's that um, you know it's avoiding those urges that really make an adult. Um, but I've don't never don't kill the cat. Don't kill the kid. Yeah, exactly. Keep things alive that are supposed to be alive. <laughs> I do I, kill a lot of plants. Oh well. I mean, you know, I, who doesn't really? Just the very idea that you she's she's pointing to a very small plant on the table, and I think <laughs> so it is admirable. I know, but it's admirable that you're trying to keep it alive. I have, yeah. I just know it's not going to work. If I've bought plants, people yeah. have given me plants, and they have died immediately. Yeah. They don't even wait for me to kill them; they yeah, just I die. I um, I but okay, so we're almost. We're not at present day quite yet, but we're um, we're so getting close. We've hit so, so there's the acting, but <laughs> no, no, but you know, I like I think that one thing I always sort of say, I always believe, is that you are because time travel has not been invented yet. You are the sum total of every decision you've ever made, as daunting as that sounds. Oh, right? decision! That's such a loaded word. For or me. choice? No, you know? cho- choice, decision, whatever. I don't mean. I mean, yeah. um, one of the things that I think about when I look back are I always. I I always uh, think that I'm not making active choices. Oh. So um, when you sort of say, "Well, how did you end up intelligent?" Like, right. well, it sort of happened to me. Like, I, right. I genuinely think that. I'm like, it just kind of happened to me. It's and so funny. That's obviously crazy. Like, I made choices. I like did things. I was active, but I often uh, feel that I that 
things sort of like land in my lap and then I kind of say yes or no. Sure. I mean, but whether it lands in your lap, you have to catch it. You know what I mean? Like you can easily drop it. (laughs) But it's so funny. I think that's like the idea of like the present and like living in the present is that the more present you are, the less aware of stuff like that you are. You know what I mean? Like stuff comes to you and you either jump on it and do things, um, you know, live up to that expectation that you've set or they've set for you or whatever it happens to be, um, or you don't, but either way it, it's happening and yep. you can't really get away from it. You know what I mean? Like right. you can remove yourself from those decisions. And you know, I think we've all done that yeah. at times. Um, but I think it's, I don't know. I just always find it so interesting that especially now, as much as I hate getting older, um, and as much as I don't, I don't know if you feel like you are, we won't talk about age, but like, do you, okay, <laughs> let's, let's side. We're going to side group for one second. Do you feel that you are the age that is on your license? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why I asked the question. In a <laughs> well, um, do I feel? You know, it's a funny thing. I, I do sometimes feel that way. Often, I I think I probably feel like I'm five or seven years younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I occasionally still get carded, which is literally insane but delightful I mean delightful but you know it has to do with also being five foot two and having like a long ponytail um (laughs) but yeah so it's funny like I I think when people don't perceive you as the age that you are uh it's easy to pretend that you aren't (laughs) that is yeah I mean definitely people do not I think it's gotten, I mean, as I've lost more hair, I think people have, um, I don't have, I have a fair amount of hair, just in case you've never met me. Um, There's even a man bun. Yeah, it it all piles up. It's just at the front. You know my four-year-old has a little man bun, I'm super jealous of your four-year-old's hair. Uh, I've seen pictures. Um, But I I don't think I look the age that I am. And I, especially in like in the last, like say 10 years, I've never looked the age that I am. And because I don't possess the, um, you know, sort of stereotypical. Yeah, <laughs> the trappings of that idea. I also don't think I've aged as quickly as some other of you know my friends and people of my of my age. And I had this weird moment um, a bunch of years ago where I was talking to a cousin of mine, and uh, he's you know six or seven years older than me. Teacher, you know, uh, uh, established four kids, of which one of them is currently, I believe, seventeen. Wow. Something around there. Yeah. It all blurs together. <laughs> um, but he is as close to the ideal of an adult that I can think of in terms of like, you know, this is what you're, this is the stereotype. Not that there's anything wrong or right with it. Just this is when someone says an adult, he is someone who I would put into that mm. category. So when my mom got remarried a couple years ago, I was at the, I was, we were at the wedding and I was talking to him and we had this moment where I was, I was, I don't know why we were talking about this, but whatever it was, I, I was saying maybe I don't feel the age that I am. And this was five years ago. I was a different age. Um, <laughs> and he, we're talking, he's like, he looks at me and he goes, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't feel like an adult. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, four kids. Like you're a tea, like a long, like a senior, yeah, teacher with seniority. People feel like that though. I remember my mother saying to me when I was in high school that she still feels 16 on the inside. And I was like, oh, mind blown. <laughs> you're a like, senior citizen. What? <laughs> I mean, she wasn't then. She right. certainly is now, but yeah, that was it's, crazy to me. Yeah. And that so, was crazy to me. It's so weird. I feel like that. I never, I don't feel that weight because for me, like whatever, this is life, but that's what I mean about it being like about the present and 
you know, sort of you never really realize it in the moment because you're just making decisions uh, or choices, whether you recognize yeah. them and or not. And you're always you. And you're always and you. It's hard to sort of recognize you still feel like the you. I had this interesting conversation with my cousin the other day about, yeah, you always sort of still feel like the you, even though you are very different than the you at three or the you at 10 or the you at 16. Like, you're very you've changed in so many ways but totally. you still feel that you-ness like you still yeah it's, it's such a weird thing and yeah. like and it's so interesting and it's funny when people recognize you like we were talking before yeah. we started about being recognized and people we went to school with and i think i started to tell you this story about i, I went into a shop nearby right and this you know grown man adult man was like did you go to Associated yeah. Junior Schools? And I was like, uh, until I was eight. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I I could not believe he recognized me. It's wild, and right? I was literally floored and I was I'm wearing my glasses right now, but Which I was not wearing my glasses. Thank you very much. Vintage. <laughs> um, but I wasn't wearing glasses when I went into the store and he and he goes, Yeah, Rachel Wagner, right? And he like made the he's like you had the, the glasses because I wore glasses yeah. all through as you know all I remember childhood. I remember that we were in and the he's same like, boat. You had, you had the glasses and I was like yeah and he gave me his name and his name was immediately familiar to me but I like I'm looking at this grown man and I'm trying to picture like the eight year old boy version of him and going like you know jogging 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 yeah. then suddenly I got it and it was like whoa you know I am like. In, I know that that was me, but to have somebody outside that. see that, yeah. just like that I am that, it was crazy. It was a bit crazy. Well, I'll give you one better. Do you remember, <laughs> um, were you, did you ever participate in Vaughn Day Camps? I don't know if... Uh, I don't think I did. So I apparently did not have the uh, cojones to go to overnight camp. <laughs> Who knows? You know, we all had our things. But I did, I did day camp. And uh, I was a counselor and like I did, I probably did it until I was about 18. And uh, so I'm at my... I'm working and someone approaches me and I look at them and I'm looking at this woman. She's clearly a woman. She's, I want to say mid to late twenties kind of thing. And I know her, but I don't know why I know her. And so I'm, we're, you know, conversing and stuff and I'm not even paying attention because in the back of my head, I'm like, I know this woman from somewhere. I don't know why I'm calling her a woman right now because she is a woman. Right. But in my head, I'm like, I know her. She's. I'm not saying that. I'm telling the story very horribly. I knew her when she was a girl, right? Normally, uh-huh. I would I say. So thought I'm, we were going somewhere trans with this story. I, I saw your. I saw where your <laughs> eyes like, were, and I was like, story? "Oh my god, I'm, I'm mangling the story." But I guess the reason I, I specified woman is because Wait, normally like I would say up. she was like she a was, fully she, grown up person. Yes. Exactly. I, she may have had a kid with her. I don't remember. She was so much younger than me, but obviously an adult kind of thing and yeah. it turned out she was one of my campers when she was like seven um, six seven wow. and I recognize like it was in the eyes yeah. you know what I mean like sometimes you like when you're a camp counselor like you know there are kids you like and kids you don't and kids yeah. you don't remember and you only remember the ones you really like and the ones you really didn't like and <laughs> she was one of the ones that like I must have really liked I guess I don't remember because yeah. I don't really remember right but I remember being like do it was literally like I have to ask you like, were you Are a you camper? Yeah, Not yeah. even, I didn't even know who she oh. was. I couldn't have come up with her name, but I knew her face. And I was like, right. were you a camper at Von Day Camps? And she was, she looked at me like with this look on her face, like, what? Like, why do you know that? And then we figured out why we knew each other. And it was super weird because 
in the context of the situation was just super weird but you know what i mean but there was just something because i very rarely will tell people that i know them in um most of those situations because i don't look a lot like i did back in the day and so it avoids all those like when you have two conversations you know like that kind of thing <laughs> speaking of the podcast well exactly but it allows me <laughs> to only have those conversations with people that i want to have them with right, right? so like I, when um we'll, we'll roll into the break with the story of how i i bumped into you because i bumped into you you were sitting at a coffee shop with your delightful family and i was across the street and i was going to meet a friend of mine and i looked across the street and i was like that's rachel wagner <laughs> because you are uh, like you have grown into the the woman version of your high school self right which is how most people operate I think I'm the outlier like I've you know gone incognito and stuff like <laughs> most of our friends you would recognize um, yeah. pretty much when you see them um, and I remember running over and being like Rachel and it took you a moment to, to recognize me um, and that's I feel like how what life works shop is that? I was across from unlovable I think it was uh, or um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah there you go right. yeah I, I don't think I knew that yeah I wouldn't have been able to come with me but that was that was but I feel I like, feel like I to you before that though when I was pregnant is maybe do you remember that I think it was on Queen Street and I was I was it was like in May and I was so pregnant it's so weird no I ran into you the first time at the store oh yeah but we don't talk about that (laughs) um but but yeah it's so I, I just find it so funny that like you, you have all these different lives, you know, and like, and this, you know, doing this project and stuff and trying to sort of, like, this is all part and parcel of, like, I've been joking about going through a midlife crisis since I was 25, pretty much. Like, my father passed when we were, we were talking about this before, but, like, he passed when I was 18 and he was 50. And so I've always had this, like, artificial idea of, like, 50 is Your the cat. ceiling, right? Anything above 50 is bonus. It As I, I, it was, yeah, it was, it was wild. Wow. And, uh. And it was so long ago. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's one of those things where you tell people and then you're like, and you feel bad. And you're like, oh. Yeah, but I have a very specific memory of that happening. Well, I sure. mean, obviously, you should do I just mean, I remember <laughs> Mine's that. Very general. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like, well, you were around. It's, it's weird. I, I don't have a lot of. I have a very specific of... memory of being around and being sure. at your parents' house. And um, yeah. That's weird because I, I don't have I a lot of people. I remember the comic book you were reading at the time. Oh. The mice and the Nazis. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was such a weird. That was a, an incredibly weird time for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. But it's weird now because it's so. Um. It's it's so long ago and and that's I guess what a, where I was going with that was we live multiple lives. Yeah. I feel like you know what I mean. I agree. And I remember being in high school and I remember everything being incredibly important. I remember <laughs> everything being. I remember like. I remember taking OAC philosophy and I remember writing the worst fucking essay. I remember as, dropping like, my, that class. Well, you were probably right for doing it, but I remember really liking the teacher, but I remember writing my final essay and having the fucking hubris. I want to use that. I think I'm using that word, right? Good, um, good word. Where I thought I was going to write a philosophical treatise. <laughs> At one point. In the new yeah, future. like that was my final prod. No. Oh, that, that moment, was it? In my final, as my like final prod, I think I got like a B minus because it barely made sense, you know? But I remember we read all these philosophers, and I was like, oh, I can, uh, I think things like that. And I remember trying to come up with this fucking, like, you know, and handing it, being like, ooh, they're going to study this in school. I'm a fucking, yeah, and it was not. 
that good. Um, but it was like you, it was you, a solid B minus. Yeah, it was a solid B minus. But that's the thing. Like you were that age, and you thought that like that's your oh. present. You know, like I'm gonna right. Yeah. You wanted to be an actor. All I was like, I was yeah. gonna be a director. I went through um, our high school yearbook a couple of years ago and <gasps> discovered that I had. Saw, Ooh, and I don't know that I ever wanted to do that. Here's the thing. They are hilarious, and oh, you gosh. should absolutely go through them at some point in time. If for I'll give you the two reasons, and then we're gonna take a break. The first reason is that if you go into our graduating year there is a whole series of this person like you know they do the most likely two oh, right of which i definitely i didn't remember this until i saw the page a couple years ago but oh, i definitely coerced whoever was making the yearbook into giving me the i wanted the oscar i was gonna <laughs> most likely to win an oscar Hilarious. i still have some time to make that come yeah, true but i remember like i remember like coercing someone whoever was doing it to be like i will make sure i win that <laughs> one right um but the second thing that is amazing, is it, especially in the graduate one. If you go back and you read the... Do you remember what your graduation like quote was? No. Mine is intelligible. Unintelligible. And I, looking at it, it's just all these short forms. And I tried to figure out... like I oh. think there's a... I may have included... I think there's an RW in there. I'm not 100% sure. They were all just... They yeah, were all just totally people's initials. Now. and Exactly. <laughs> and what the memory that brought back... and. I'm sure my mom will listen to this and she will probably not remember to, to give me to point out that she was right but it brought back this moment of I remember writing it I remember being like oh my god it's gonna be all these inside jokes everything's great <laughs> right and I remember my mom being like you're gonna look at that in 20 years and you're not gonna have a fucking clue she probably didn't say fucking but and she you you're know, not have a clue what that means 20 years didn't have an idea this year no, this year is oh, 20 years I know and that? they did you see that there was a uh, there was an attempt at a reunion but it was in Thornhill, so I wasn't going. Uh, <laughs> I only go to see my nephews. Anyhow, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to um, spend a little bit of time talking about what Rachel actually does instead of just having a lovely conversation like we have been up until this point. <laughs> see you in a minute. Hey, guys. You're listening to Running Up the Downstairs podcast, diving into the creative process and what fuels artists to create. This podcast is brought to you by Josh Finkelman's Instagram and Twitter accounts at KJoshRadio. This is Alberto Josue from Arcane Circle Records, sending you all the love from Toronto, and don't forget to support your local artists. And we're back. Um, so that was my one sponsor. Um, I really think it was. Uh, I think it was good. So uh, <laughs> we were talking about stuff that um, really isn't all that interesting before this um no i'm joking <laughs> we we're just not talking about uh rachel's uh things that she does that are amazing high school yearbooks are so interesting i think <laughs> that the idea you know what if there are high school students out here i want you to know if you're listening i want you to know that your graduating blurb should not be only acronyms that is there. that may be life the best there you go that may be the life best advice. life advice i can give someone in high school i don't think i have much other advice to give someone who's in high school <laughs> but that no acronyms in your high school yearbook Full uh, <laughs> so um okay so you are a producer of food related shows so Mostly. um Let's just jump right in. Um, before we get to how you got there, favorite show that you worked on? I'm just going to put you right on the oh spot. Oh my goodness. What was the most fun you had watching people cook things? Uh, that is so difficult. Um, <laughs> so most fun show, like, like what show do I like to watch the most? Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, that's more, I think that's maybe an easier we'll start, one. We'll start with yeah, that. We'll, we'll ease you in. So uh, this year, I, um, for the first time, had the opportunity to work on a show of which I had already been a fan. 
which has never happened to me before. Um, it is this format called the Great British Baking Show, or the Great British Bake Off, I should say. Right. The Canadian iteration is the Great Canadian Baking Show, and um, I I had known about this format's been around for a long time, and I was a huge fan of it. And then last year when I was working on a different baking show, I got back into it weirdly because I spent all day looking at baking and then I would come home and like watch the show to relax, which is totally bizarre. And anyway, so I I had the opportunity to work on that show, which was the first time that I was working on a show that I like already knew, had been a fan of, loved to watch, was like a personal fan of. And it was great. It was a great experience, um, you know, talking with. I was doing casting on it and talking with people who wanted to be on it and having that same excitement that they did. Like they all knew the show and were, you know, really wanted to be part of it. We're obviously obsessed with baking and um, I like to bake a little bit. I'm not, you know, a baker, but anyway, it was great. It was, so I would say that is uh, definitely stand out in my mind and it led to the job that I'm doing right now, which is also on a show uh, that is coming to Canada for the first time that I uh, was a fan of like in high school, I think, whenever it started airing, probably maybe a little bit like end of high school. But I remember watching it on my parents' television. So maybe it was either in high school or when I would go home. Was it Yan Can Cook? Oh my God, Josh, I loved Yan Can Cook. Yan Can Cook, not. Oh my God, that show was amazing. Is, I don't even know if you can find it anymore. I believe um, it's got to be yeah, on like Listen, YouTube I've or been something. talking to chefs for weeks now and like people watched Yan Can Cook. Uh, no, it's Iron Chef. Uh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Remember Iron I, I Chef was... with, the, with the dubbing? Oh, yeah. That Big was the Iron Japanese, the original, right? Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, the now Americans that... didn't start making it, like, their own version until, like, 2005, I think. So, all oh, of the okay. shows that we remember yeah. um, were the... the Japanese show that were dubbed. Yes. Okay. I totally remember that. And I remember the, I remember loving that show. That's the show. That's the only, I think that show is the reason, maybe, you know what, now that I think about it, combined (laughs) with Yan Can Cook, potentially the only reason that I love, like the reason that I like cooking. Yes. I'm not a, we don't, I don't come from a cooking family. Like, I don't know about, about your, um, I I do more come from a cooking family. Okay. So my mom cooks. I don't want to, she might listen to this. I don't want (laughs) to, you know, disparage the fact that she did or did not cook. 100%. Cook. Fed you. She cooked. Yeah, she. It was. We're not talking. There wasn't. It wasn't flavor country. Let's 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 <laughs> let's put it that way. My mom is an excellent baker, um, and uh, she would appreciate your your banana bread. Thank you. Um, which we were we were eating during the break, um, and it was delicious. <laughs> um, not as good as my mom's, uh, but it was. Uh, you know, I don't want anyone to be angry. So, um, but it wasn't. We didn't do a lot of cooking, right? right. And uh, and. You know, so there was a lot of baking, not a lot of cooking. And so Yan can cook, which if you're not familiar with, please Google it. It's amazing. The man's knife skills. That was what it was. And so I used to, did you ever do this when you were a kid? Did you ever like, you set out to cook something when no one was home and put all of your ingredients in little bowls and (laughs) stuff? You did me's at home? Oh, I almost burnt down Um, the house. um, (laughs) No, I never cooked anything when I was in high school. Really? Nothing. See, I was always... Frozen President's Choice chicken fingers on a sheet pan. Oh, man. Nothing. I, I did no cooking. I, I did not learn how to cook until, oh, I don't even know, like probably in my mid-20s. Really? Yeah. I don't know what the hell I ate during university. <laughs> oh, I really like don't. Craft I definitely couldn't cook. So here's the question. So you, you come back from Tel Aviv. You're a writer, right? You don't cook. I did. No, by then I cooked. By, by then I definitely cooked. Did you love cooking by that I did love cooking by that point. So, yeah. So it in this period um, from sort of like twenty five to like thirty ish. Yep. 
I definitely learned how to cook. I learned how to bake. I was writing a ton of restaurant reviews and, and, and I was editing this website. I was doing a lot of like the most of the writing and editing and translating I was doing was all food related. Mm-hmm. And I came back uh, from Tel Aviv and oh, such a squeaky so chair. Squeaky. So squeaky. So, no one's even listening to squeaky. They're um, just focused. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was kind of like a decision that I had to make about what was going to be next for me once I was back here because, um, you know, the freelance world is all about your connections mm-hmm. and, and making all of those connections and getting consistent work from different publications. And I was basically starting from scratch because I had been gone for almost seven years. And right. when I left, I was like t- t- 24 and like had just finished baby. school. Like I had no <laughs> career. I was like, you know, I'm going to teach English. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was about starting from scratch and um, I wasn't sure what to do. And, uh, and I got some good advice from a good friend and she was working in television and, uh, I think, uh, her words were something along the lines of like print is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I discovered that at some point. Yeah. And and so, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Though, you know, I will say like I've since met, um, there's this one journalist in particular who's a, who's a food writer, uh, who is really young. She's probably in her mid twenties and you know, just started out and uh like has a weekly print column that's only in print and i'm like I'm like this is amazing like i i'm so much older than that and i was feeling like okay you know it's true there's no work this is like not basically it felt like a i didn't want to you know invest in that career doing it all over again here um i also felt like I wanted to do something else. Like I was kind of ready for a change and this friend of mine was working in television and was like, your skills are going to really transfer, um, you know, go, you know, try research and yeah. How long were you, so how long were you doing TV stuff and before you had that, so you had that moment when you were writing where you were like, you know, oh, this is, this this is is the right thing, right? Did you have a similar moment in TV? Um, I think I had a few, um, I think the first job I did, I was definitely flailing a little bit. Like I had been a writer, so I knew how to research. I knew how to interview. I, you know, I knew how to put together a research document. There were things I knew how to do, but I was like kind of looking at it all from the wrong angle. Um, I knew about narrative and story, but like vi- visually telling a story was not something that I had thought about in a really long time since you know drama but sure. theater is also very different because you're telling you it's visual but it's yeah anyway so i i definitely had to learn that i guess the first moment was the first job i got on a food show mm-hmm. when i was like oh like this is what i want to be doing um and i think the second was when i first got into the edit which was not actually very long ago um and I was, and I, and I kind of had that moment again where I was like this, like I've been wanting to do that for a long time and I got the opportunity to do that. And uh, that was another moment where, you know, it, there was a learning curve, but it just felt like, yeah, I really like this. I feel like I have the skills to do this. Is it, is, is there something, hand, because it's so, I mean, editing is so not hands-on anymore. Like it's uh, I mean, it is very hands on, but it's like when I went to film school, it was like we were taking. I still have them in in the basement, I think somewhere. Um, uh, where it's, I just have this bag of like old school 
Betamax tapes. Like, like, <laughs> well, do you remember like communications class in oh high school God. with that the was VHS? Why I went to right, that right. High yeah. That was we. So we went to a high school that was. I don't know if you had to make a similar decision, but I remember. I did. Not, but not based on the class. But I remember there was. So there's one school that was semestered and one school that was non-semester. Correct. And we both went to the non-semester school, Correct. and I remember it not really being an option for me one way or the other. Like my parents, were like you're gonna go to the semester school because that's better for you or something. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so you go to the information nights which right. if i'm not mistaken we're on the same night um i don't remember i feel like that seems right but either way i didn't have a choice which one i went to we went to the one for our eventual high school and they had this communications program and it was right. basically video editing and photography right Photo- yeah photography video editing they did yearbook in there. right and i remember walking into the room where the editing bays were and being like yeah okay well this is where i'm going to high school <laughs> i also in the exact same room three years later looked at myself on camera and went guess I'm gonna be a director (laughs) that was the end of the drama classes um but that was um you know teenage self-esteem which I've held on well into my middle ages um but it was uh but it was so funny because like yeah we did that in high school we did do that in high school and it's funny because it like it is a strong memory that I have I mean I'm not I should say like to clarify for anybody listening I'm not an editor (laughs) right um I'm I'm a story editor which which is different and requires like far let like no technical skills basically oh, sure. you know there are some but um but it's that moment was like about this about story and about shaping story right. and telling the story and turning you know when you're in pre-production and you're finding a story and pitching a story and figuring out a beat sheet to shoot that story mm-hmm. it's that's like one part of the story and then unlike theater where it's like a, a cohesive thing that goes up on a stage it's like you know this is this is um we should clarify like lifestyle television this isn't a script <laughs> this you know it's you go you shoot you get back a ton of of raw and then you kind of have to shape it into sure. a story it's do you find you watch do you, okay so two-part question do you watch reality television of any sort of food or otherwise (laughs) um obviously you don't have to name shows necessarily but do you you know sort of do that and also do you is it hard to watch them now because of your sort of behind the scenes Um, knowledge so i like as i said i watched like you know, in high school, like I'm sure. a chef, yeah, yeah. Um, and then years, years later, I watched the Great Canadian Baking Show. Other than that, like I would, you know, when I lived in Tel Aviv, I used to watch. I had like cable there, and I would watch the Food Channel, and I remember watching like Michael Smith's, you know, cooking at home or whatever show stuff, like Canadian stuff that was getting sold overseas. So yeah, like I already, I, I did used to watch that stuff there. Once I started working in television, weirdly, unless I was doing like a development job where I had to really be familiar with like every format and everything that was going on, I kind of stopped because mm-hmm. it felt like work. Um, and I would only watch the stuff that I really loved. Now, um, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race, which is like the best competition that's, show ever. That's, that's I've only seen a few it. seasons um, and I'm really late to the party. <laughs> but honestly, it is pretty amazing. From what I understand, um, it's a big party. There's a lot yeah, of people no, who watch that show. It's, <laughs> it's a huge party, and I arrived very, very late, and only because it made it to Netflix. But, um, but that's a like reality show. I mean, it's not. It's competition. So sure. That's a competition format that I watch. Uh, the Great or the Great British Bake Off is a competition format that I watch. And yes, you do look at it differently. 
uh, you start to hear, you know, the Franken edits and you, you know, I remember watching something just the other day and someone was like, oh my God, why are they cutting to like this random contestant's face? Like, why do we care what they're doing? And I'm like, oh, because they needed to cut to something to cover it because they, you know, how it sounded like a coherent sentence that that person just said. They made that happen in the edit. That was not a coherent sentence. That was a bit of a sentence here and then like a word pulled from there and then like the end of a sentence from there. And then they, you need to cover that. You can't just be on the person speaking when you're chopping up what they're saying in that way. So, um, yeah, so you do look at it a little differently. But I don't have, what I don't like, you know, or I don't like to watch uh, are like the reality stuff. Right. I don't know. I just, it doesn't, you have your own life. You have your own reality. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I never connected with that stuff, and I don't. I've never really worked on a show like that either. Interesting. Do you find that you like? Do you see a like a? How do I phrase this? Do you see like food shows as being um, a like a pen that you have to break out of, or do you find or? It's like, a great question. You know what I mean? Like, do you do? Yeah. You, is it something? You, is there a challenge? I guess the way to phrase it would be: Is there a challenge to doing? other types of this type of competition show or would you want is the challenge to go in like narrative for example or other formats so um yeah people on television talk about that a lot this idea of being like typecast in the way that an actor gets typecast um and the more of one style of show you do the more everybody wants you to do that style of show which can be great because then you become oh like this person always does these kinds of shows like you know, Rachel always does food shows, so let's get Rachel to do a food show. Right. And I love doing food shows, so that's great. But it can also be a challenge when, A, you get bored of food, if you get bored of food, and you there is another, you know, show that you'd love to work on that really interests you that isn't food. Then someone goes, oh, I see it's, I see it's all food here. Can you do something else? It's like, of course you can. But, um, and then the other challenge, of course, is like working consistently, because in television, everybody works as a freelancer Um, it's it's changing um a little bit in terms of like how you're paid a lot of companies are now actually putting people on payroll um legal boring whatever uh but you are a freelancer and so it's always about it's gig it's like you know contracts and and shows get greenlit and then you have work for three months or six months or ten months or whatever um so if you want to be working consistently throughout the year you have to you want to be available to a huge variety of stuff mm-hmm. so you want to get you know so a transition that I made um, this year kind of just by chance and and you know luck and whatever um, I'd normally done like quite small um, shows that you know you have like small crews that go out and travel and there's it's like a you know five or six or seven person crew you have a team you have a pre-production team like in the office and then you have this small crew that goes and shoots and sends it all back mm-hmm. and um, they're quite lo- like they're just shot in one particular way, and they're you know much smaller budgets. And now I'm at a company that does these huge format shows, and so I'm doing these like you know it's like a massive build for these sets, and right. you know cute like you know eighty people on this set, and like that was totally new for me, even though I'd been working in you know food lifestyle TV right. for like seven years or eight years or whatever. So is the so the challenge isn't so much necessarily the the playground you're playing in, just the size of the playground or the, the exact of, role you're in. Yeah, the exact roles. Like, um, I didn't f- necessarily feel like I encountered a barrier. Like, oh, you you haven't done 
this type of show before, but probably there is some of that depends on the role and stuff. Um, I think, but but people do talk about that. Like I've definitely heard people in televisions talk about how like, oh, I want to, you know, my next gig, I want it to be like crime because I haven't done any crime. There's lots of work in crime. So it sounds so funny to say, but, um, but, but you know, it's true though. but there's... so there's, so I want to get a crime show under my belt so that like when I'm next looking for work, it's like, I've done crime, I've done food competition I've done, um, you know, travel like road right. kind of food show. Is the yeah. goal, so I guess like, I guess where I'm going with it is like, so there's always, you know, you always want to like improve, maybe stretch, yeah. like, you know, challenge yourself to new totally. things. So there's all these other avenues that you can go to in the same sort of role that you're in, right? But do you, because I mean, the role you're in now is not the role you started out in, you know, so right. you've sort of taken these steps. So do you, like, I mean while we were talking about like the present and like not necessarily thinking towards the future, but do you see yourself as like, you know, someday show running or, you know, exec producing or like, is that something that you are conscious of at this point or you just, it's, it's a good question. Like it took me a long time to be conscious of that. Like I was saying earlier, you know, I'm, I never thought of myself as a very goal oriented person. Opportunities would arise. I would take them or not take them. Um, I always felt like, you know, such a work-life balance whatever it's such a corporate phrase but does like, that exist but you know <laughs> I I eat from a young age I was like very focused on I don't want to work for free mm-hmm. I want to do like from my kind of early 20s finishing school um, you know I could have done a master's for example in Tel Aviv and I chose not to because I wanted to make money sure. <laughs> like, okay. um, and yeah I, I was very I was very focused on um, yeah this idea of like the moment like right now I wasn't you know a lot of people would at 24 would go I'm gonna do a master's because like long term that's like that's like a really good thing for me I will continue to be a poor student for like two more three more years but like it's a good investment whereas like I wasn't really able to think of the future I don't know why it's like a weird block I have (laughs) um I ended up with somebody who is like a super long-term uber planner which is really really funny because I like it's like you know I can't see to the end of my nose and then like he's like looking 10 years in advance um but having been in television now for a number of years I do think about that more so when I first started it all just felt like well I just want to do jobs that I like and I just want to do you know like make more money maybe or do more interesting shit whatever you know just like but it was very like kind of immediate it wasn't about okay I'm going to do this kind of show to get this under my belt so that I can learn that you know but then I would say like maybe a few years before I had Lee and then I took a little bit of time off and then I went back a couple years ago and since that time I'm think I think more about it and I'm not sure what the answer is yet like do I want a series producer show run like maybe um but I'm definitely more um goal oriented now so like when I'm thinking about what jobs I want to be doing I'm thinking a lot more about like what can I learn what new um experience will this give me that will like qualify me for something better whatever better means or more interesting or more senior or whatever later um because i was 
uh, conscious of like getting a bit bored in some of the jobs I was doing. Right. Because when you are always kind of doing this a similar kind of show in a similar role, eventually you're going to get, you'll feel sure, yeah. a little bit bored. So um, not that you always have control over these things. Like sometimes you need to just take the job yeah. that is offered to you. I'm familiar with um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it's nice to think in that way or to be able to think in that way. And, um, but yeah, I'm not sure what the direction is for me. Like, I always had thought it like when I first was in television, I was like thinking more about um, like directing mm-hmm. and wanting that to kind of be, maybe that was something I was more interested in. And then I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was like the opportunities that presented themselves. And so do you, okay. So I guess to, to kind of not wrap up the tele like the, television producer stuff but <laughs> because it's I mean we could probably talk about it for for much longer than we than we have time for but I guess the the like what I'm what I always find cur- the most curious is like how applicable everyone's today is to tomorrow right and so I guess my question in terms of what you're doing now do you feel like because it's food TV not that there's anything better or worse about food TV versus different TV yeah. but um you know as a story editor your focus is on taking these disparate parts that we've you know they've shot and you have all sorts of stuff and then putting them to putting them together into a narrative story right um do you see the skills that you're learning doing or that you've learned and that you practice every day in this sort of reality based aspect do you see them as compatible with any other focus on tv like i guess by what i'm saying yeah are you do you feel like you can go to any kind of like in this term like reality or competition television or do you feel like television I guess you see yourself as I think as, there is yeah. a divide I, I absolutely think there is a divide between um, scripted and non-scripted and, right. that, and that's the divide it's like factual or scripted and factual you know the umbrella of factual right. is competition reality lifestyle like all of it is non-scripted you know right. so that is like one you know part of the industry and everyone who works in it kind of knows each other and then they're scripted and there is crossover like I definitely meet people who started in scripted and then ended up in like or what or vice versa I suppose um but I weirdly never thought about what kind of uh role I would do or working in scripted even though I like you know, went to this drama program and right. started out like that. TV kind of happened in a very, not as a result of that in any way. And so, yeah, I think I, I couldn't really you know, it would, it would imagine be, what I would do with scripted. It's sort of, I mean, it would be sort of Even though that's what I watched. Like you asked me before, yeah, what, yeah. you know, what of like, mostly I watch like, you know, one hour dramas like sure. on HBO. Yeah. Like, as everyone should <laughs> but it's funny because I mean you because you started in that sort of like you know because we all you know started in that sort of scripted dramatic you know world um, it would be interesting and you know potentially we'll return to you know we'll, we'll talk to you about it at some future point um, <laughs> but it's you know it'd be interesting if you do come full circle at some point you know like yeah, if you take the skills here and, but I guess at the end of the I, day it's a story you know it's a, it is all a story um, I think the food part of it is it's interesting and for me that is like more of a central question than like scripted versus you know um often or not often but i should say when shows arise or job opportunities arrive arise that are not food Mm -hmm. i am both excited and repelled so 
Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to do this. It's something that's interesting to me that isn't food. And it's like enough of the food. <laughs> um, and I do eventually, you know, plan to take something sure. that is not food. But the food just kind of keeps coming and it's like a whole genre to itself and stuff keeps getting made. And so that is kind of more like the bigger question for me is like, you know, how to balance that to not only have a sure resume that's all food and you know some people pay more attention to that or less attention to that um but i would like that to be more well-rounded just for myself sure um keep it interesting and yeah and what your brain is in all day like yeah because i mean i guess yeah being in food all day probably gets pretty hungry okay um <laughs> last thing i wanted to ask you about because um as i mentioned to you earlier you are the f- you are guest number five in the uh, the running up the Lucky downstairs world, five. right? Um, but you are also the first guest that I am aware of that has, as I'm like about to say this, I'm like quickly going dun, over dun, everyone dun. that I've talked to. You are the only guest that I've talked to so far that I believe has procreated a human oh, life. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, because I have my nephews and stuff, so I sometimes think about. Um, I think about things in, in that context of like the next generation, which just makes me so feel so much older than I <laughs> than I am. But it's it it's, does make you feel like more of a grown up, right? It's like well, you've yeah. created life. I mean, like you are <laughs> you are a god of some sort. Um, but the the thing that I, I guess the reason that I bring it up is one of the things that I um, I guess one of the things that prompted me to start making this podcast is like the question of motivation right and so I know like that that I always sometimes I have trouble just sitting down to do things that I know that I want to do and so uh, the the idea of motivation sometimes um is a question that I've thought a lot about and so I wonder and I guess because you have a unique viewpoint on it in terms of like who we've already talked to um do you find that having um that having Lee now both creates you to like creates a motivation that may not have existed before or does it make it more difficult to be motivated because you want to spend more time with him do you know like that kind of thing (laughs) yeah I think uh it's yeah that's a good question um I think it has made me more career focused actually um and also more cognizant of being efficient while at work um before I had Lee, like I remember I, I had different, you know, at different points, like jobs where I would like sit in an office till eight o'clock at night, um, which I did do a bit last year as well when I was in the edit, but you know, when you need to, but I think, I think more, more efficient, um, and more focused. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? You, you, sort of, I mean, you asked something slightly different. Sorry, I'm getting tired now because, yeah. of course, I am. We've, we've <laughs> been talking for a, a Yeah, we've been talking for um, a long time. But, yeah, I guess, no, but you were asking something really specific, and I, I, I sort of lost the thread <laughs> is what happened. That's how this podcast works. Yeah. Um, no, no, I guess like what I was saying, it's sort of twofold, right? Because, and like I so said, we're going to wrap it up. Oh, this I know one, what but, I wanted to yeah. tell you. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, um, on the other hand, I do want that time with him. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I think an example, you know, a situation came up at work recently where it was this thing, not to get into too much detail, but it was like, is it worth my time to be doing this? Okay. Or do I want to take that time and, and literally spend that time with my child? You know, it was a few weeks in the summer. Um, it was suddenly like, is this a role I really need to be taking on? Will I learn from this role? Right. Am I being compensated enough for this role 
maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe sure. I would rather spend time with my child. And that's definitely not something I would have said before him. Right. I would have been like, well, whatever. What else am I going to do? You know? Exactly. Um, you definitely be working, you know, wh- whatever. Like, and, and the fact that I have him really kind of took this one specific situation and made it very clear that like, oh, you know, I want to um, use my time efficiently because I do want to be home to spend time with him. And I don't want to, I'm not going to sort of twiddle my thumbs at the office or, you know, wander off for coffee four times a day because I want to spend time with him. I want to leave and I want to spend time with him. So I do, and I do find that like a lot of parents um, are kind of like that at the, at the office and TV anyway, like you are really efficient because you want, you want to go and have that time in the evening. No. With your child. And to, like, just sort of, I guess, a grandiose follow-up to end on, do you feel, like, the weight of um, setting an example or, like, the weight of, uh, like, obviously he's too young now to really sort of, you know, um, be like, oh, you know, my mom's doing this stuff and oh, it's so no, inspiring. Oh, no, he's not too but... young. Well, yeah, it's inspiring, right. But you know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, Well, he's, he's four and he definitely... Um, especially because, so I was saying it's all contracts. So like mm-hmm. you have times when you're working and you're very intensely working and right. then you have a month or a week or, you know, periods of time where you're off. And so he definitely is, has been aware for at least the past year of like, sure. you know, I'm working and, or I'm not working. And the time, like just recently I was off in January, I think, Jan- December, sort of December, January. Yeah. He was like, what did you do today? And I was, I was like, I, I just am taking a break. I had a very intense contract. Like, I was getting really defensive about it. I was like, I went to yoga and, like, you know, like, I, had I, was some, at, I had some coffee. I was at school all day. He's what like, did you, you know, do? I worked with the materials. Like, he's in Montessori. Anyway, um, you know, so, yeah, like, I was kind of, like, defensive. Like, because he was like, what did you do? And he uh, does really want to know what, what am I doing. And he, he knows um, what I do. I don't know if he really understands, but... Like I, he today, um, the woman who owns his school pulled up on her bike and she has three little boys who all attend the school as well. And, uh, and he said, uh, you know, uh, Liz, Wyatt's mom is also a teacher. And I was like, I I know Lee, she actually, she owns the school. Like this is her, so this is, that's her job. Her job is a teacher and she's Wyatt's mom and she's a teacher. That's her job. And he's like, yeah, um, and then, and he said, and your job is, and he said, I think he even remembered, he was like, and your job is television, <laughs> which sounds like, I didn't watch television all day long, which is kind of it's probably what he tells true and not true. But, you know, and I was like, that's right. And, he, and I was like, do you know what I do at work? And he's like, yeah, you work. And then he goes like this, he's making, this is me doing fingers of typing, right? That's working to him is typing. And I was like, well, I make um, television shows. And he's like, yeah about food and cake and i was like that is correct very smart very smart about food and cake (laughs) um yeah so i think that um definitely i he they pick up on everything and i would not want to be setting an example of a mother or a woman not working though that is a very valid choice for many people to make for lots of families I think to me, like I, for me, I'm proud of that example. Sure. Um, and I noticed that he picks up on things like, and assigns that thing to like gender 
sort of across the board. Right. So I don't drive. It, uh, random. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. I never learned how to drive. I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't I remember never, you ever I driving. Never yeah. And I still don't drive. And That's why we live in the city. That's why we live in the city. <laughs> you drove, though. I remember I you did, driving. I did. I love that um, car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he, he like, notice notices that I never drive because also he's of course fascinated by driving right and then when we were in Tel Aviv this past November so he was like three and a half and my sister-in-law was like driving us everywhere and he really noticed it he was like Vital is driving like what whose car is it like he was so fascinated because he had in his mind it was like mama doesn't drive women don't drive yeah and I was like hating that I was like I hate this I have to learn how to drive (laughs) Um, you can go to the Young Drivers of Canada. Oh my God! That used to Again, be up on Young Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God! Oh man, I killed so many stick figures on the cover of that book. Um, okay, well, I took I mean, that class. It was terrible. It uh, like terrified me. I was fifteen. It scarred me for life. Do you remember the explosion on uh, the house that exploded at Young and Clark? This is like real no. deep cuts for everyone. No. Anyways, it exploded while I was in driver's class. And I remember we were all sitting there and you just heard this like, oh my God. like kind of down the road kind of thing. And then found out later that it like exploded like Jesus. four, four door. Anyways, that's Very my memory of, story. that's my memory of, uh, <laughs> of driver school. So I was a great driver. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but, I do, I do feel like I want to set the example. Right. Um, but also I... I, the more I get excited about work and into work, the more I know that I'm capable of being like, actually, I'm going to be late again. I'm going to mm-hmm. be late again. I'm going to be late again. Right. And, you know, losing that time. I did have a good um, period when he was first born and like into, you know, him sort of being one and a half to two and a half where I wasn't working that much. Right. And so I did have a lot of time with him. And I think that was really valuable. You're like, that was enough time. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't enough time, but, but you know... I think we do. I'm. De- I, I definitely notice a difference in the times that I'm not working and I'm picking him up at three thirty. You have these like two hours together of like prime time, really, for that Awake. age. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like that that five thirty pickup is, you know, it's like he's home, he's eating, he's in bed. Sleep, it's yeah. yeah, he's tired. Like there isn't that same yeah. quality time yeah. during the week. Kids. Kids. <laughs> Gotta have a couple. Yeah, that's uh, that's what my mom says. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not preaching that. I've just got the one. No, hey, you know what? <laughs> I, I think everything, uh, everyone has their own, you know, sort of path to, to walk. And I feel like I'm going to have one, like, Tony Randall age. Like, I'm going to be, like, 73, have a kid, get out. Um, oh, I mean, die. Uh, no. Yes. no, I got it. I totally got it. Anyhow, we've really gone... Um, way uh, over. Yeah, we went way off the <laughs> off the rails here. But anyways, um, thank you so much. Um, check out Rachel's work when Iron Chef hits the airwaves sometime in the yeah, next... Iron Chef Canada will premiere uh, this fall, probably October. I don't think the air date has been released yet. All right, well, we don't uh, want it. No on, scoops. On Food Network Canada. Um, but if you, and if you've enjoyed the Great Canadian... Baking, baking show. show that was uh some of rachel's work as well um, um so that will i'm not sure when that's it hasn't aired yet no no the second season is being shot right now oh wild and um it will air on cbc All at right. some point sounds great to me I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna look for it um so yeah thank you so much um we're gonna have you back at some point because this podcast is gonna go on for many years that's and uh, we're gonna follow your development you're oh a, you're a, you're running so up the downstairs pressure. project. Now. 
I know, right? Don't mess up. Uh, not that goal-oriented. <laughs> not that, well, you're, you have a goal now. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you know where to find this because you found this one. But if you don't, kjoshradio.com. Um, it's not just a website for me to look at my own stuff. You can look at it, too. Have a great day.